Welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast, where we tackle teaching challenges from a biblical perspective. Why are we here? Because we don't believe that our spiritual walk and teaching profession should exist in two separate domains. Rather, the hope we have in Christ should change how we approach everything, not just at home, but at school as well. So join us as we explore both the spiritual and practical sides of key teaching challenges, integrating them together so we can succeed at teaching, glorify God, and make a lasting difference in our students' hearts and lives. Well, I do welcome you back to this special series on common teacher fears. And in particular, we're talking about how we can teach without fear and conquer our anxieties with both faith and wisdom. Last week, we had a really special episode where we talked about student apathy with Dave Stewart Jr. If you missed that one, you certainly are going to want to go back and catch it up. There's been so many great topics we've covered in this series. This week, though, we are tackling the fear, what if I have to work way too many hours? Or another word way of saying this is, what if being a teacher means I don't have a life and I don't want to do that again. I mean, there's so much to this fear. We could frame it so many different ways. Um, You might find yourself worried about the stress of always having too much to do and not enough time to do it. And that stress wears on you. Uh, You might find yourself worried about neglecting your family, about not giving them the time that you want to or the energy that you want to. Or perhaps you're worried about not getting the rest you need or being able to take care of yourself properly, let alone have time for your hobbies and other interests, right? So this fear comes in many different forms and many different angles. Thankfully, no matter which of these angles has you most nervous, we can tackle this fear with God's help. So let's remind ourselves of the framework that we've been using for most of this series. It's three parts. Part one, we're going to pray our fears, pour them out to God. Number two, we're going to take our thoughts captive. We're going to remind ourselves what is true and choose to trust God. And number three, we're going to direct our steps. We're going to take wise action to address the issues causing the fear. So number one, pray our fears. Question for you. Do you ever talk to God about your stress level or about the amount of work that you have? Um, If not, I want to encourage you to start doing that. And if you're already doing it, well, do it again, right? This is something we can be talking about continually whenever it's something that's on our mind or stressing us out. And I once again think of so many verses that we've shared over and over in this series intentionally uh, to remind ourselves that God does not call us to fear, right? God has not given us a spirit of fear. Um, And God has not called us to anxiety, casting all your cares, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Do not be worried about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So many other verses, but these are just a few that remind us we are not called to fear, and we can talk to God about these fears. We can talk to God about anything, so pour out your heart to him. Don't forget to talk to him about it. All right, so number one, pray your fears. We're going to give time at the end of this episode to do just that. Number two, take our thoughts captive. We need to remind ourselves of what is true and choose to trust God. 
Now, I will say there is so much that we can say about time and balance, um, and we actually did a whole lot of that in our balance series at the beginning of this year, uh, the beginning of 2023. So I do want to encourage you, if you want to think through this more and you need more help with this, go back and check out in particular episode one of our balance series. Look back in January of this year on the podcast, or if you are listening online, you can go to teachfortheheart.com slash balance to find that full series. But a few thoughts for us today. First of all, God does call us to work hard for him. Colossians 3.23 um, is one verse that comes to mind. And whatever you do, do it heartily as for the Lord and not for man. Okay, so we are called to work hard. We are not called to be lazy. So many verses I could pull from Proverbs about being diligent and working hard. Um, so if you are someone that's prone to not working hard enough, then you need to think about that side and think about how God has called me to work hard and I need to do my best for the Lord. But as God calls us to work hard for him, he also calls us to rest. Throughout scripture, we see God calling his people, in fact, to patterns of work and rest. So both are important and we need to have both in our life. God prioritizes both. And so we need to prioritize both. Just to give a few examples of this, uh, the creation week, God created the world and then took a day to rest. And it says that was given to us as a pattern of work and rest. They're both good. Um, We also see in the Old Testament, God gave Israel the Sabbath and ordained that pattern of six days of work for one day of rest. And he actually, I don't know how much familiar you are with this, but he didn't only institute a day of a day of Sabbath. He also instituted years of Sabbath. Um, the Israelites were supposed to work the ground for six years and then actually take an entire year off from planting and harvesting their their land um, for both the land to rest and for them to rest. So God has instituted these patterns and he's trying to teach us, I really do believe something with these patterns, even though we're not bound to all of those Old Testament laws. Um, these patterns of working and resting are so valuable. Uh, we We need them. Another example in the New Testament is Jesus. Jesus is the perfect example of this. He worked so hard. He was healing people and and helping people and preaching, but yet he often stepped away to rest. He said, I'm going away. And and often that rest was to pray, but he he would go away and be alone and talk to God and rest and pray. And so he practiced this and is an incredible, incredible example to us. So as we think about taking our thoughts captive, I think about how we need to value both hard work and times of rest. And so we need to ask ourselves, has my life been veering too much towards one or the other? Do I tend to want to rest and not work hard? Do I tend to want to work hard and not rest? Um, Which one do I need to prioritize? Which one do I not do naturally and might need to work on a little bit this year? Another thing that comes to my mind, um, mainly because I've been dealing with it even today as I record this, is that when we think about how God has called us to work for him, he does not desire us to work for him with a spirit of anxiety and stress and striving and like grinding and never feeling like we're doing enough, (laughs) right? I mean, when I say that, it's so obvious, right? That's not how, that's not what God has called us to. He has called us to the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, 
patience with our to-do list, kindness, long-suffering, gentleness, you know, self-control, all these things, right? That's what God calls us to. That's how we are to work. And when you look, when you think about, um, you know, just what he wants for us, what his spirit looks like, what Jesus would have looked like as he walked this earth. It's not in the spirit of, I got to get more done. I got to get more done. I'm so stressed. I have so much to do. That is not what God has called us to, right? Those verses again, (laughs) casting our anxieties on him. Don't be worried about anything, but in everything, you know, pray. So God does not, God would have us not be worried and stressed out by our to-do list. God is not a harsh master, right? We are to be working for him. And if we're working for him, that is not the spirit in which he wants us to work. Now, that can be really hard to let go of that, though, especially for us that are kind of that type A, want to get everything done. You know, we feel validation from getting everything done on our to-do list. Um, That can be hard. Um, But we do have to periodically and, and regularly in some cases just do some work in our heart and say, you know, am I making too much of my to-do list? Am I putting too much value? Am I finding my worth in this? Is this even becoming possibly an idol in my life? And just remind ourselves when we're starting to feel that stress that yes, God calls me to do my best and to work for him, but working for him is not is not done in this attitude of stress and frustration that I'm not getting done as much as I want to. And so constantly reminding ourselves of that um, can be really, really helpful. All right, so we've prayed our fears. We're taking our thoughts captive. And once again, I have lots more thoughts on you know how we should be thinking about balance and rest in that balance series um, back in January or go to teachfortheheart.com slash balance. All right, number three, direct our steps. Let's consider some wise actions that we can take to address the issues. In other words, um, what can we be doing practically to ensure that we are having time for both work and rest, that we're not always stressed out by this, that we can actually teach and have a life, right? Now, once again, there is so much I could say about this. We have an entire series we did on balance and time management. So once again, I'm going to refer you back to that series because we go into a whole lot more than we have time for in just one episode. But I did write down about four practicalities that I think would be really helpful and a great starting point, okay? So number one, Number one recommendation, plan when you will and will not work each week. This is the absolute first thing that I have our Reclaim Your Time 101 students do. Um, And what I mean by this is you're going to sit down each week and before you start the week, just decide when am I going to start working? When am I going to stop working? When am I going to work in the evening or on the weekends? And just write it down. This might not sound like a big deal, but it's so valuable because it provides some clear lines and some clear boxes to say this is work time and this is rest time. And of course, rest time isn't always just rest. It's often family responsibilities and home responsibilities and other things, but at least it keeps your teacher work in its box a little bit better. Now, I'm not saying if you know if you're in the habit of working 60 hours as a teacher, I'm not saying write down 40 hours and suddenly go from 60 to 40. That's not going to go well, okay? But I'm just saying instead, just write a realistic plan based on where you are now. Even if you keep 60 hours on the calendar, saying this is when I'm going to come home is still really valuable. Even if you're planning to work late, saying, okay, I'm making this decision. It's not happening to me. I'm choosing. This is when I'm going to work late. 
on this day, though, I'm leaving early and I'm going to block off this time to rest and to be home. So it's really valuable just to sit down and say, this is when I'm coming into school. This is when I'm leaving school for the day. These are the times I'm going to work in the evening on the weekend and just make it realistic, but then try to stick to it as much as you can. And in that way, it really helps you um, not to feel guilty for working when you need to work or feel guilty for not working when you're not supposed to be working can really help provide that bit of a balance and keep work better in its box because otherwise work really will expand and expand and expand and and it can take over your whole life. So number one, plan when you'll work and not work each week. Number two, save times on things that, save time rather on things that don't really matter. So here's the thing, unless you've already been doing this exercise repeatedly, I can almost guarantee you that there are things that you're spending way more time on than you need to. Now, sometimes we're doing these things just because we've always done them. Like, I always do it this way. But if we step back and look at it, we realize, but this doesn't really help that much. It doesn't really matter. If I stopped doing this, nothing would really change or it would only change a little bit and it wouldn't really have any devastating effects. And so sometimes we need to step back and examine and say, what are some, you know, do I actually need to be doing this or is there a faster way? There might actually be things that you're spending a lot of time on that you could do way more quickly and it would still be about 95% as effective. Now, I want you to absorb what I just said because for the perfectionists. We're like, but I don't want it to be 95% effective. I want it to be 100% effective. But here's what I'm saying. There are many things that we do as teachers that we can get done in a pretty efficient amount of time, like ni- and, and it would be 95% as good as what we're spending a ton of time on now. And we need to look for those things where we can save hours of time and hardly it hardly make a difference at all. It might be a little difference, but it's it's not enough difference to be worth hours of our time because those hours can be spent doing other things, whether for you know whether for teaching things that we don't have time for right now, or at home or with our family or just resting. Um, so those hours are valuable. One example I think of with this is making elaborate PowerPoint slides versus really simple ones. So if like you're doing a PowerPoint um, presentation, I've seen teachers take so long making these really elaborate PowerPoints or like really editing this video really creatively when, yes, you know, the PowerPoint slides are really important to the lesson, but a really simple PowerPoint slide could be done in about half the time and really we're hardly losing any of the effectiveness. It's like slightly less visually interesting, but it's gonna it's gonna work 95% as well as the really complicated one. That's just one example. Um, it might not apply to you at all, but you have to examine your own to-do list for things that, yeah, you know what? Um, I am taking so long with this and I could, it would I'm only sacrificing a tiny bit to do this in so much less time and it's worth it. So look around. Uh, don't sacrifice things that really matter, okay? Look for things that don't really matter. And that's where you save time for the things that 
do matter. By the way, if you're saying, Linda, that sounds great, but I don't know how to do that. We help our students in Reclaim Your Time 101 go through and actually figure out, well, what can I do less of or what can I stop doing? We really work with you step by step and and, and help you figure that out. Um, So I'll share a little bit um, more about Reclaim Your Time 101 in a minute and actually have a special coupon code if you're interested. All right, one more thing I put under here. We're still under number two, save times on things that don't matter. One of the things I wrote down is that there may be things that you're required to do by an administrator or district policy, but they don't really serve you or your students. So you're like, I have to do this, but I really wish I didn't. In those cases, what you want to do is do the bare minimum required and do it as quickly as possible. Okay, so you have to sometimes give yourself permission for this. Sometimes we like the things that aren't making a difference that aren't really helping you or your students. That is not the place to do a plus work. That is the place to do C minus work. Okay, I'm. you need to you need to meet your obligation. Absolutely. But don't go above and beyond on something that doesn't matter. You're wasting time that you can use on things that do matter. Okay, so look to save time um, on things that aren't really helping. I wrote down, don't spend extra time making something that doesn't matter amazing. Something that doesn't matter does not need to be amazing. Cut that time down to the bare minimum and save it for things that do matter. All right, so our practicalities, we said number one, plan when you will work and not work each week. Number two, save times on things that don't matter. Number three, prioritize things that do matter. It's really important to ask ourselves on a regular basis, which tasks are most important? Which things are gonna really make a difference? It can be helpful to ask this just right now, kind of looking at the whole year and say, which things actually matter? Which things do I want to perpetually prioritize? But then we also want to kind of ask this on a regular basis. When we when we look at our to-do list each week, ask ourselves, which of these things do I really need to do? And which, like, it wouldn't be the end of the world if they didn't get done. That Doing that kind of sorting in our mind, that triage, is so valuable to make sure that we're spending our time on the things that really matter. And if we drop the ball, if we run out of time, when it's time to go home, the things we didn't get to are the things that we didn't really have to get to anyhow. Um, so a couple recommendations here. It's really wise to set aside time for the most important things. Um, Angela Watson has a recommendation. She says, choose the most important thing to do each day and do it first. So in other words, when I sit down um, at the beginning of the day, when I say, okay, what am I doing today? I need I, rec- I actually identify what thing do I need to do? What's most important today? And then my first work block t- chance that I get, like my first prep hour or open time, that's what I do first. Because in that day, in that way, you're ensuring that what matters most gets done. And then if you, once again, if you can't get to stuff, it's things that are less important. And you also have relieved the stress of knowing, huh, I got the most important thing done. Um, Everything else is kind of more of a bonus. Another suggestion in this area is this something that might work for you is designating certain times each week for important things. So for example, if you say, okay, lesson planning is really, really important. Um, you might say, okay, Thursday and after, uh, Tuesday and Thursday afternoon preps are specifically for lesson planning. I'm going to guard that time. I'm going to give that time to this. Nothing else is going to, I'm never going to do anything else. That time is specifically designated for this important task. Um, and you can do that with, with whatever you identify as like, these are the most important things that I really, really need to get to. I'm um, just saying and designating time and kind of blocking it off and then really um, guarding that time. If someone asks if you're available, I'm sorry, I'm not. <laughs> 
like you you can get in that habit of just saying no i have to guard this time as there's exceptions of course but as much as possible not letting things intrude on that making that kind of like a sacred space to get those things done once again, we have lots more strategies for how to prioritize what does matter and make sure what does matter gets done um, in Reclaim Your Time. All right. And number four, delegate. Okay. This might seem impossible to have other people be able to help you with your tasks, but it's it's really not. Um, we teach this in depth in Reclaim Your Time 101, but I want to give you a few pointers in this regard. Number one, first pointer. Look for people who can help you on a regular basis. It is hard to delegate one-off tasks. Off, sometimes there's just really simple things you can have someone help you with one time, but typically it takes time and effort to teach someone how to help you. And so that's not worth it if they're just gonna help you one time. That's why you're often feeling like, uh, I don't really have anything for you to do because you're thinking it's gonna take longer to explain than just to do it myself, right? But if you can get people who could help you on a regular basis, like every week or every other week or every day, um, then it will take a little bit of effort to teach them and train them, but it will pay off because they're helping you regularly for the whole year. Um, you can think about your students might be able to help with more than you realize. If you have a para that a paraprofessional that you have access to at all, you might be able to be giving them more than you currently are. Students' parents, um, if you don't, you if you haven't asked if you have something specific that they can do either in the classroom or at home, um, they might be able to help. And then don't forget about like if you have a spouse or a roommate or friends or kids, they might be willing or able to help you too. All right, so look for people who can help on a regular basis. Then delegate repetitive tasks. Okay, so rather, yeah, you can help help with easy one-offs here and there, but look for things, ask yourself what things are repetitive and those things are the things you're gonna look to help. Then here's what you're going to do. You're going to make a video of yourself doing the tasks. Um, If it's on the computer, you use just screen capture like Loom is a free software you can use to just um, record what you're doing on your screen. Or if it's something you do like not on the computer, just grab an iPhone and have someone take a video of you doing the task and just talking through it. In that way, you've captured the system and you now have something that you can give to the person and say, this is how you do it. And it's just a video of you going through it. It's so much faster than writing out a ton of instructions. Um, then when they do it, the first few times they do it, don't expect it to be perfect because it won't be. The first few times they do it, they'll do it, you know, half right or three-fourths right. So, you know, give them feedback, just like you would if you were working with your students. Say, okay, this was good. This was great. Can you do this differently next time? Or, hey, can you redo this? This I actually need it to be this way. Um, and give them that feedback. By the third or fourth time that they've helped you, though, they should pretty much be doing pretty well on their own, which is absolutely amazing. There's one other helpful tool in this that we teach in Reclaim Your Your Time. It's called an IPO. Um, It's a little thing that you write up where you clarify, make sure you have all the info they need. You kind of clarify the permission they have. I stands for information, P for for permission. Um, In other words, like how much initiative do you want them to take or do you not want them to take any initiative? Do you want them to come to you with questions, et cetera? And then O stands for outcome. In other words, like what does a job well done look like? So that can also be really helpful in just clarifying to yourself and then to them, like what what it looks like to do a good job at the task. And I teach you more about how to do that in Reclaim Your Time if you're interested. So I hope these strategies are helpful for you. Let me review them real quick. Plan when you will and will not work each week. Save time on things that don't matter. Prioritize things that do matter. And delegate. So as I said, I hope these strategies are helpful, but 
I only scratched the surface of, of any of these, as you can tell. Um, there's so much more that we can do and so much deeper that we can go um, into details with all of these. So I do want to know that, let you to know that is why we've created a course. I'm really excited about this course, really loving it, called Reclaim Your Time 101. The course is designed to help you cut five to 10 hours off your work week so you can stop feeling stressed and get time and energy back for your family and personal life. And we designed it to be really quick, easy to implement action. So this is not something where it's like, set up this long system, like take two hours to set up this system and then it'll save time. No, Reclaim Your Time is meant to unbury you quickly because <laughs> we recognize if you're buried, you don't really have time to invest. You need to, you need quick, so it's a quick video, quick, easy to implement action. And we just stack them on top of each other. And before you know it, you've cut five to 10 hours off. So if you're interested at all, um, head to teachfortheheart.com slash reclaim. And I have an exclusive promo code just for our podcast listeners. The code is no fear. So use the code no fear to save $20 exclusively for podcast listeners. And it is only for this week. So hopefully you're listening to this live. Um, if not, you can still head to teachfortheheart.com slash reclaim. Uh, but if you're listening to this the week it goes live, use the code no fear to save $20. We also do have a free training um, that will help as well. Um, you can find that at teachfortheheart.com slash save time. It has five time saving strategies um, and we'll also share with you a little bit more about Reclaim Your Time 101. So that's at teachfortheheart.com slash save time. And then finally, the last resource I will mention to you again is our balance series of the podcast. If you scroll back to January or go to teachfortheheart.com slash balance. All right, let's take just a moment to pray and bring this to the Lord before we wrap up. Father, thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you care about us. Thank you that you don't desire us to live in fear and anxiety. Teacher, take a moment and just, if this area is causing you any anxiety or stress, just talk to God, pour out your heart to him about this concern. Thank God for his patterns of work and rest and ask him to help you institute both aspects in that pattern in your life this year. We are called to work for God and God does not call us to anxiety and stress and fear. Um, so if you've been fearing that, experiencing that, confess it to God and ask him to help you work for him in the attitudes that he would have you to enjoy and peace and patience and all the fruit of the spirit.
Father, we thank you. You are always at work in us. I pray that you will grow this fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Help us to work for you the way you would have us work for you, Father, and to enjoy our work um, and enjoy working for you. And please show us um, both what's in our heart that needs to change and what practically needs to change uh, to be able to experience both the joy of work and the joy of rest this year, Father. We thank you that you're at work and you're going to continue to work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you again for being here. Once again, all the links that we mentioned as well as the entire series can be found at teachfortheheart.com slash fears. And you can get Reclaim Your Time at teachfortheheart.com slash reclaim. If you have enjoyed this episode and this series, please do share it with a friend. Um, head to teachfortheheart.com slash fears and share that URL with a friend directly um, or on Facebook. That would be such a great encouragement to us as we seek to help um, so many teachers, as many teachers as we can uh, with the messages in this series. And then I hope that you'll join us next week as we um, get to episode seven. We have eight episodes in this series, so it'll be our next to last episode. And we're going to talk about a challenging topic, and that is, um, what do we do if we face a situation where our faith goes against the approved cultural narrative? And unfortunately, this is happening way and way more often. And so it's a common fear, and I'm excited to address it with you next week. In the meantime, teacher, remember, God is at work in you and through you, and he's using you to make a difference. Keep your eyes on him and teach for the heart.